The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What I would do is really pay attention to um, what can you eat within an hour before working out. That's going to become really important. What can you use as a fuel? Is it bananas? Is it some sort of supplement? Is it oatmeal? Is it raisins? Is it what is it that you can use as a fuel source within the out inside of that um, inside of that you know kind of like while still in that digestive state you're mm-hmm. training that's that's gonna be important to know because you don't know what your day is gonna look like in competition and being able to know what you can use as a fuel is hugely important. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. How you doing, Ben? Good, Patrick. Today we're going to talk about uh, nutrition, which we've done a lot, but today we're going to kind of narrow in on um, the nutritional needs of somebody competing um, uh, in a CrossFit competition, um, first and foremost, but also maybe over sort of anything that is a multi-day, single-day kind of event that you um, need to be thinking about what you're eating, um, how you know, and and when you're eating it in Great. order to sort of maximize performance. So. Um, to get into that, I, I think I first wanted to talk to you about something that you did recently, which tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the first time you did it, which is a Spartan beast race, right? Yes, it is. So yep. tell me about what that actually is. And then mm-hmm. talk to me about how you thought about the sort of nutritional approach to going into something like that, which, um, is obviously different than if you were doing a, a competition for a CrossFit, you know, in CrossFit. So the Spartan beast is a, um, an obstacle course race. So it's um it, this one was done at Killington, Vermont. It's the home. It's the first beast that was ever created. So it's like the original. It's the world championships. It's the aromas of Spartans. yeah, exactly. Yes, but I didn't. It's not like I was there to qualify or I had qualified or I was there to compete in a certain certain level. I was in open division. Did it with uh, seven other people from the gym. Also a big group of people from Tilt, the other gyms um, that we're part of. So went up and it's uh it's about sixteen miles. Up and down Killington, um, Big Mountain, Vermont, three times with about 30 obstacles throughout. So about every half mile, you kind of come across a wall, a cargo net, move a bucket, grab a sandbag, flip tires, traverse monkey bars, um, and then like jump in water under (laughs) through mud and all that stuff. So uh, it's a a single day, but big multi-hour event. It takes most people about that six, seven seven hour range mm-hmm. cool. uh so that, so the question was yeah the question was nutrition. <laughs> Which is cool but yeah but how do yeah. you think about nutrition for and first how long did it take you did you say that it took me five hours five hours so yeah. okay so um that's different because that's five hours of non-stop moving so that's different yeah. than if um a one-day competition for in crossfit that might be five or six hours but it's certainly not five or six hours of moving so yeah. how did you um how did you think about food how did you or or did you just say i'm just going to start and finish it and i'll worry about food before and after 
I definitely did not do that. Yeah. Some people do that, and I think it's uh, uh, you know playing Russian roulette. Yeah. I think it's a tough. It's a, you know you could you could end it could end really badly. <laughs> so the way I think about nutrition, whether it's a long event, a short event, or kind of anything, is you always want to make sure that there's a few major um, principles in place, and that is your fuel, which is essentially carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are sugar. You're going to be burning sugars as you go through this. I'm, I'm going to, um, there's a whole nother discussion we talk about, which is like the ketogenic using yeah. like fat as fuel. I'm going yep. to kind of like not go down that rabbit hole and stay, and stay with like traditional normal fueling practices. So uh, the first one is carbohydrate intake. So your sugars. Um, the next one is your um, electrolytes, which is essentially salt. It's mm -hmm. really the electrolyte that matters. I know there's, magnesium and uh, potassium and there's other things that play into it but really i mean 85 percent of it is your salt your sodium chloride intake um and the third one is your hydration just literally like replacing water so high level type stuff is before we like get into specifics is um for carbohydrates you should be looking to re um to be having 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour Okay. Now that's going to depend upon the intensity and uh, veracity of the workload. It also depends on um, the athlete and the size and other things. But that's why there's the range: forty to sixty grams of carbohydrates per hour of activity. For um, electrolytes, it's again going to be a varying range based off of now it's not size, but it's um, sweat rate. How much do you actually sweat? And then sweat concentration is like what is the the electrolyte loss inside of a ounce of sweat. And for that, um, you want to be looking to replace, um, well, it's kind of both two things. Um, there's the electrolytes and then there's the actual um, hydration, loss of water. For the electrolyte side of it, you're going to be looking to replace uh, or take in about 800 to 1300 milligrams of sodium chloride per hour. Okay, so now we have the carbohydrates, 40 to 60, sodium chloride, um, um, about a thousand, give or take. And then um, the last one is water, is hydration, is fluids. And for that, you're looking to take in about uh, 60 to 70% of that which you've lost. Okay. So if it's super hot and you're working really hard, so if it's 100, if you're in Miami and it's you know 100% humidity and 95 degrees out and you're working, you're doing MRF and you're working really hard with a weight vest, you're going to lose in that hour, you may lose four, five, six, depending on how big you are, seven pounds of water. If this is a longer event, you need to replace that. Mm -hmm. Now, the big kind of caveat to this is if it's a shorter event, so this is we asked about the Spartan, yeah. this is really important. As you get outside of an hour, it becomes exponentially more important. If the event is like a, uh, a sprint triathlon, which might take a minute, an hour, 15, you're playing, you, you don't, you might not need to do anything in that, but some people might. Um, but that's kind of like the threshold. If you're doing an event that's 50 minutes or under, like you don't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. You can do it before, all before and all after nothing intro competition, intro workout. So for this where it's five hours, I need to pay attention to what I'm doing before. I need to pay attention to the intra. The intro is the most important and then post as well. Yep. Um, post for a lot of people. So after is, is you know, the free beer that they give yeah. you or something like that. Um, but Basically, the longer the event, and this being a five, six, seven hour event, the carbohydrate, um, electrolytes, and hydration play a major role. And those are the kind of the, the, the factors I'm rolling with. Does it make sense or is it worth going through and actually talking about 
um, you know, how you did, how you fuel the actual carbs. specifics. Yeah. Like the actual. Sure. So, um, might be interesting. yeah. So the, uh, the starting place, I, I, I use what I trained with for the, um, so it's nice to kill all birds with one stone. Yeah. Right. So yeah. what can you get? Like the other thing is like, okay, so now you talk, now everything, once you start with those principles, everything after that becomes kind of, uh, I'm not going to say personalized because there are some other principles. Like you can get varying types of carbohydrates, varying types of sugars. Yep. So um, dextrin, sucralose, you know, they're like um, different types of starches, like some that are quick burning, some that are slower burning. So there's like, there's um, um, caffeine, stuff like that. You can go down some more rabbit holes, but let's just kind of like talk about like what I did and maybe it comes out in the wash is I used um, um, Killcliff Indoor, which is their kind of like, uh, it's their version of a Gatorade. It's just that it has a much slower carbohydrate release than a, a sugar blood sugar response than a, a Gatorade does, which is going to be like, you know, 15, yeah. 20 minutes. It's gone. Huge energy spike, but then it's gone. You got to replace it. Huge energy spike, but then it's gone. I don't, that's a really rough game to play for five, six hours. Indoor will stay with you for a lot longer. So um, that was the, the bulk of mine. It also has some sodium, mm-hmm. some sodium chloride, some salt. Um, so I got my electrolytes. Um, and the carbohydrate out of one serving of it is about, so like a bottle will have about uh, like 25-ish grams of carbs. So if I'm having one of those an hour, I have 25 grams. Then from there, um, I have other fuel sources, like fuel for fire was my primary. Um, that was kind of like my, everything was built around those two. Yeah. Things that I've had before that I like, that are easy to carry with me. I did it in a camelback. Um, so I filled up the camelback with indoor. Um, and basically what I did was, um, try to get through a fair amount of the indoor every hour and a, um, fuel for fire. And there's my 40, 60 grams of carbs. I would take a salt tablet every hour on the hour, which was about, uh, 500, 600 milligrams of salt. So I'm over halfway just from one salt tablet. Mm -hmm. Um, and literally it was a salt tablet. So people are like, you know, I got noons or I got all these things and like, check out the when you buy like an electrolyte replacement, flip it over and look at what the sodium, you can add the two together. What's the sodium? What's the chloride? Or it might just say salt. Like what is the milligrams? And so like kill, um, Gatorade is a perfect example of this. Like electrolyte replacement. I'm not going to look at the back of your Gatorade and look at the nutrition label and see how much sodium chloride, how much salt, how much electrolytes are actually in it. It's like 120 milligrams. Mm-hmm. You need a thousand so you'd have to have 10 <laughs> bottles of that to replace your electrolytes. Yeah. Yet it's deemed as an electrolyte replacement. Gatorade is not an electrolyte replacement. That's a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. It's a carbohydrate replacement for sure. It's a sugar replacement for sure. If that's what you're looking for, which late in the race, you might be if you need something to go for the last half hour, might be a great source. But early in the race, cer- certainly I would opt for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also carried a banana with me. Um, and I carried some um, like cliff block um, electrolytes as well. Those like little gummy things. Oh yeah, um, Which are um, again, more um, salt and electrolytes and have about 20 for uh, two or three blocks. I can't remember the little gummies each. If you have two or three of them, it's like another 25 grams of mm-hmm. carbs. So find a real easy way to get the carbs in. Banana, um, Endure, um, cliff blocks, um, fuel for fire. Yep. Um, really easy. I know it's going to be easy on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I nailed nutrition. Like awesome. I felt like I nailed it. Um, didn't once feel like I was low on anything. Um, felt really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of a correlate to, from the Spartan beast 
or maybe reverse, but how much of a correlate did you find between maybe the marathon row at the games recently and, and an event like the Spartan race? How did, do you approach both of them pretty similar? Obviously you didn't yes, do the marathon were, row, but you yeah, are, I coached it. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's the exact same protocol. Yeah. Yep. I used the, um, the exact same. Yeah. That was a three hour event right. um, where you can do fueling intra events. Um, that was the exact same protocol. Cool. Okay. So let's, let's back up maybe, or, or, uh, rise up a little bit and just think about CrossFit, um, specifically now. Um, I imagine that one of the bigger challenges, especially when you get to the higher level, um, and especially now that, you know, regionals is gone and now we've got all these different competitions. Um, a big part of thinking about a nutritional plan for a CrossFit competition is the challenges that come along with traveling to it, whether that means a hotel mm -hmm. or an airport or mm -hmm. at least maybe not a kitchen and a restaurant yep. instead. So just maybe really on a high level, like how would you, how do you think about overcoming the, those obstacles um, in pursuit of having a good weekend, whether that's a one day event, a two day, a five day, if we're at the games, like how big of a challenge really is that? Um, I think that the, the defining thing that will set you up in which which direction we're going to take is are you driving to the event or flying to the event? Okay. If you're driving to the event, get the biggest Yeti cooler you can possibly get, chock it full of all your yeah. normal stuff that you normally have, and you're good to go. Essentially, you bring your food, your refrigerator, your pantry, your supplements, your everything that you normally do with you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're flying, different ball game. Yep. You're not going to be putting a Yeti cooler full of stuff Maybe you are. I was going to say, yeah. somebody might. You might ship it. You yeah. know, who knows? Um, in that case, what it, the idea is um, get a hotel room with a fridge and a or a um, a suite with a small little kitchen. I think it's always a real bonus. I always like that anyway because you can stretch out and get more room. Yep. Um, get people like body work people to come in comfortably into your hotel room and not be in your bedroom. It's just like I think that a suite is a nice place to go. Um, and then the first thing we do when we usually arrive is, um, literally, I mean, we fly in and before we can go to the hotel room, we fly in and we drive to a Whole Foods mm. and we stock up. It's, you know, in terms of priorities, like if you don't get into your hotel room, it's not as important as if you don't get your food, you have to be, you have to be nutritionally sound going into a competition. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for us to do that. It's one of the, always the first things we do when we go there, um, the first thing we're doing is making sure that we have stuff for game day. You have to like get whatever it is for you, right? It's the bananas. It's the, you know, it's the salt, you know, pink Himalayan, not the iodized behind. It's, you know, um, are you getting your carbohydrate sources? You're getting your hydration sources. Um, it's really easy to travel with the supplements you usually do. So if you're somebody that uses a carbohydrate replacement or you use a certain proteins, um, you know, that's something you always pack with you. The third option is um, you you get shipped. You, you have things shipped to you. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of uh, um, either you know Amazon. Amazon's the thing, right? It's yeah. like they'll they'll you can get delivered anything delivered to your hotel. It'll arrive at the front desk for you. When we go to the CrossFit Games, we're there for ten or eleven days. Like it's an impossibility for us to bring all the food that we need there. We have stuff shipped frequently to the front desk, especially the, the days and potentially week leading up to the games. Um, there's deliveries every two or three days. Right. Um, how do you think, or how, how, how different is a single day event? Maybe it's a throwdown at a, mm -hmm. you know, at a gym near you that you can drive to, um, and a multi-day, whether that's two, three, up to whatever the game yep. ends up being that, that year. 
Um, how different are those two are those two sort of uh, events in thinking about how to plan for it nutritionally? I don't think there's any difference um, before intra between so in CrossFit we're eating between events um, or post. The only difference is what you're doing after the last workout. Okay. So after the last workout. Last uh, workout of the day. Last workout of the day, right. Last or, workout of each yeah. day. That's the difference. So the last workout of a one-day event is the competition's over. Yep. In that case, what a lot of people do is like, screw recovery. Let's yep. go to, you know, whatever it is. Wherever, you know, let's whatever go to. those people do. Yes. Let's go get the ice cream sandwich <laughs> cookie thing. And put it on pizza. Yes. And then stick a bagel around it. Whereas the last workout of a multi-day event is you're setting yourself up for the next morning. Yeah. So that meal is incredibly important. Um, but generally what we're trying to do is, in, um, inside of the, um, uh, multi-day events, um, inside of CrossFit, it's the same thing, kind of like what I did for yep. my event. It's just that it's, um, you're talking multi-day is you're going to put all of your fat, um, basically at dinner, you can have some at breakfast, as long as it's like two or three hours outside of competition, mm. some fat at, uh, breakfast, um, Basically, breakfast becomes really balanced. It's a normal meal. Like so you're gonna have your normal eggs, you're gonna have your normal fruit, you're gonna have so your maybe normal whatever it looks like on guac, a regular training. You're gonna have day. your yeah on a normal training day. Um, but that should be you got kind of depending on when your go time is. It, that might be earlier than than normal. Um, that's a normal you know your oatmeal. That's your normal breakfast. Um, then becomes the foods that agree with me. They're gonna get me my carbs, my hydration, and my electrolytes. That's throughout the day. We're gonna pull. The fat out, sprinkle in the protein where possible, pretend mostly um, in the post-workout window, and then um, in a really easy source, no, no fats. We're not going to have burgers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then afterwards, we're going to try and um, make up the difference. So really, you're going to have a, a lot of calories, and that's where you'll put the fat in as well. And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, it's not people look at like they're like they see um, Rich Froning and Ben Smith have pizzas every night at the games. Like they don't care about the nutrition. It's not that they don't care. It's that that's not that bad of an if, Think of what we're trying to do. We're trying to get fat back in. So mm -hmm. you have all the cheese. You're trying to get a lot of calories back in. Well, check yeah. <laughs> pizza. And then you're trying to get carbohydrates, like all the crust and the bread and the yeah. sauce and everything. Like that. And you know, it's not that bad of an option if it's something that you normally do. Because mm -hmm. what you don't want to do is like eat like Katrin does perfectly sound all year long and then first day of competition where you're done have a pizza mm -hmm. like the gastro distress that, that would cause mm -hmm. is insanity like so it's not the worst option it's really important to get those calories back in but you got to choose it in something that's been consistent with what you've been doing right along why um why are you avoiding fat during the day or why are you sort of bookending your day with with a little bit of fat in the morning and then try to try fat to just up. slows things down. Okay. So it's, it slows everything down. Um, there's, you're not going to be, again, excluding like the world of ultra endurance people who like the keto thing is, um, is a strong option. Mm -hmm. Um, in ours that we work out in a very, um, high intensity environment, the keto is not a good option. So we don't want to be fueling off of fat. Mm -hmm. So what, so what we want to do is we want to bring the fat down to not slow things down. We want things to get into the bloodstream and into the muscles as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. um, slightly unrelated to this topic, but out of curiosity, the keto, um, does that work outside of competition weekends? Like for what we're doing in, in the training that you're sort of working under, is that a viable option for training, but just not competition? Or is it a... Depends on who we're talking about. Okay. So if we're talking about people that are trying to optimize their performance... Yep. 
No. Okay. In CrossFit. No, definitely not. Um, you essentially have, you're gonna have a very, very difficult time operating in a high intensity environment, high power output, um, glycolytic, like lungs burning, legs burning, breathing heavy type state, mm-hmm. um, being ketogenic. Okay. Um, the ketogenic is for long, slow, like ultra runners, gotcha. like, um, anything less than, um, like a 10 K person, I would definitely advise them not to do it. But your question was in a training environment, you do, yep. it's also really good for people. I don't say really good. It's an option for people um, potentially that might be sick or mm-hmm. metabolically deranged, you know, that uh, that's, uh, that is an option that we might pursue. Gotcha. Okay. Back to, uh, back to something that you sort of mentioned, but I'd like to dive into it a little bit more is, um, you know, you mentioned it wouldn't be intelligent for Catherine eating the way she does to end a day of competition by chowing down on a pizza, because that's not something that's normal for mm-hmm. her. So going along those, that road a little, uh, road a little bit, how much would you advise people sort of test or practice or know exactly sort of what their, you know, nutrition is going to look like over the course of a two or three day competition? Like, I imagine that sort of introducing anything new is not a good idea, but like how, how deep down that rabbit hole do you go? Do you know, do you, do you do practice days where you say, okay, we're going to do a workout at 9am and then yeah. we're going to eat something at 11 and then how, how, how much practice goes into something like that? Okay. So for us in our world where we are professional athletes and coaches, um, we, we go down that road. Mm-hmm. We practice and I'm not saying like, okay. Now it's workout one of the games and we're going to eat and we're going to do this. And then at the end of this, we're going to do this because we don't know what the schedule is going to be. So it'd be insane. It would be ridiculous to practice that. That'd be like saying we're practicing this because this is going to be workout number one and this can be workout. We don't know if workout number one is going to be a three hour event or a 30 second event. And we don't know if there's going to be one event or if there's going to be four events. So it's an impossibility for us to train with those specificities. But what we are doing is we are um, throughout the year, constantly, every day, every training day is a day for us to hone in and practice our nutrition. And we talk about it. Mm-hmm. We talk about like, this is what I want you to eat now between these events. And this is what I think we should be doing um, tomorrow and scheduling out the morning. And this is how we should be doing this post-workout. Okay, let's see if we can tweak this a little bit this way. If we're going to um, be doing a 90 minute break between this, let's try and fuel this way. If we're going to be doing a three hour break, let's see if we can fuel this way. And then we get to the games, we have these things that have worked for us. We don't know if it's working perfectly. No one knows if it's working perfectly. But we have these things that we know are not going to derail us. We know that for sure, that we've done before. And we'll work within those parameters, um, knowing that we don't know what the specifics are going to be. So for somebody that's um, not in Katrin's world, um, that's not in the professional athlete realm, that wants to try and do this, it's a lot harder, right? To be able to, because every every Friday, Saturday, Sunday is a multi-day training of for Katrin. So we get to do this every single time. Right, lots of practice. Yeah, whereas uh, the the normal person that works nine to five, they're going and they're, they're training at the 6 a.m. class and or later on in the afternoon and they do work in between. It's a normal thing. They don't get to kind of like play that game. What I would do is really pay attention to um, what can you eat within an hour before working out? That's gonna become really important. What can you use as a fuel? Is it bananas? Is it some sort of supplement? Is it oatmeal? Is it raisins? Is it, what is it that you can use as a fuel source within the out, inside of that, um, inside of that, you know, kind of like 
while still in that digestive state, you're mm-hmm. training. That's that's going to be important to know because you don't know what your day is going to look like in competition. And being able to know what you can use as a fuel is hugely important. And I would hate to have somebody be like, I never, I never eat before I work out. Mm-hmm. I never eat before I work out. And then you get into this, you have a competition where you're working out four times every two hours. Well, in that case, guess what? Yeah. You don't get to eat and you're not going to perform in those last two workouts. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing it, whether it's with Katrin and, and your other athletes or or sort of the, the other the other side of the spectrum where um, you don't have that sort of regularity, when, you, when you're tweaking and when you're trying to figure that out, what are you judging or how are you judging like, okay, this worked or okay, that didn't work so well? Is it simply like, uh, my energy is good and I, and I, and I can work out again, or is it like, how, how, how do you know if like a tweak worked or if a tweak didn't work? Is it obvious or is it? Yeah. Great question. No, it's not obvious. And no, we don't know. (laughs) Like we know if it's, again, we know if it's, if it's a, if it's a bomb, Mm -hmm. right. We know if it's terrible. Um, but other than that, it's just like, it's honing, it's playing. We know we're trying to get to certain numbers. So we know how much so carbo- workout numbers. So like you're like you know what Catherine mm-hmm. should do in this next. No, okay. like nutrition numbers. Gotcha. Okay. We know how much protein, carbs, fat, um, salt, and liquids she's supposed to be taking in every single day. Mm-hmm. So from that, it's like okay, the easy thing to do is like push it all aside and be like, I'm just gonna work out hungry. I'm not gonna deal with it, and I'll get it all at dinner. Well, that's that's a approach. It's not the approach I think is optimal. So what we try to do is we try to get it into the day. So how can we do this in the day? And from there, we just take our best assumptions, best learned um, nutritional practices, and how do they play in? So, you know, Katrin likes leafy greens. Well, leafy greens are not the best source between workouts. So like if we're going to pull those out, we're going to have to put those back in somewhere because if we're doing a week-long competition, we want her to be able to have those type of things. But where do we slide those in and where do we place in between? And that's where we're kind of the game we're playing. Like we also kind of go with these, uh, you know, um, post-workout, you want to get something that's like a a higher glycemic carb, Mm -hmm. right? Which means something that like um, will spike um, your blood sugar. So it causes an insulin response. It's like that's a good thing post-workout. Basically, you want to get the glycogen back in the muscles and the liver and everything else. To do that, you go with some food choices that other people would generally more avoid, right? Mm-hmm. You go towards things more like, uh, you know, like sugars. Like that's a that's not a bad thing for someone like Katrin, who's you know super super lean already and is looking for the one percent of performance. Yep. If you're talking to somebody that's, you know, twenty seven percent body fat and looking to get abs, that's not the approach I would take. I would first get them lean, get them super. Um, insulin sensitive by not giving them sugar after a workout. So it's it kind of depends on who that you're talking to. If we're talking to the um, the elite athletes, mm-hmm. we're going off of these certain premises that we want to remove fat. We want to go with higher glycemic and these, you know, more like nutrient timing type stuff. Yeah. Well, um, that was going to be my next question. What uh, nutrient timing is a, is sort of a phrase I've heard. I don't know that I know what it means but it might be what we've been talking about sort of thus far is that is that the case or is there is there something more to yeah, it than- yeah no that's that's basically what it is it's yeah. like how can so nutrients are you know macronutrients are protein carbs and fats yep. micronutrients are vitamins and minerals yep. so um you're trying to get certain micro and macro nutrients into the body at certain times and that's basically dictated for an athlete around the workout so the workout is going to dictate kind of the, where the rest of the day goes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what are some mistakes that you've seen athletes uh, at any level, really? Because I know you've done a lot, you know, back in the day, certainly, but you've done a lot of competitions here at CFN. Um, certainly, seen a lot of higher level competitions as well. What are some mistakes that you've seen athletes do nutritionally that that if they had fixed it or avoided that, they might have seen better results? So there's, I think there's two sides to that. One is like, what's the nutrition that they do every single day? And that's like what we talk about all the time yeah. on this podcast. And then there's the um, kind of game day nutrition. Yeah. Like what's the game day mistakes? The biggest ones, so first off, um, it's not as, in, this is kind of like big asterisk, so this whole conversation, it's not as important for CrossFitters as it is for like an Ironman triathlete, what right. I used to do. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the saying was like, everyone's like the triathlon is swim, bike, run, three events. Well, actually, it's like it's five. Mm -hmm. It's swim, bike, run, but then you have transitions mm -hmm. in between. And those transitions matter. Some people can do transitions in three minutes. Other people like take showers, <laughs> like literally <laughs> take crazy. showers, and yeah. it's a thirty-minute transition. Yep. So that's your fourth event, and the fifth event is your nutrition. Mm -hmm. And um, the mistakes people make there are catastrophic. When you're talking about thirteen-hour events. Um, it's like, I mean, it's it's catastrophic to the point where like really, really, really fit people um, don't get to finish. Mm -hmm. um, they bonk, they puke. Like puking during an Ironman is like, of course, like 50% of the field, like yeah. that's an exaggeration, but like everybody, yeah. like it's not a weird thing at all. It's not like, because CrossFitters, because they're working so hard, it's because their body has lost the ability to digest their food and they get these distended bellies. You see these really ripped people with these big bellies. Um, because their food isn't being digested. Now it's just like, it's like you can hear it sloshing around. Yep. So they press the reset button and they make themselves puke and they like yeah. start over. Yep. The mistakes there are just like all over. I mean, it's rampant. But the biggest ones for me are, um, it's the it's the quality and the quantity play, right? So it is, are you getting the right numbers in, which we already talked about, 40 to 60 for yep. carbs, 70% of um, lost body weight, body weight for um, um, hydration, and around 1,000 milligrams of salt. Like, you got to be in that ballpark. Now, if you're on the low end, okay, you're on the low end. You like to have, you eat less and you'd like to operate there. If you're on the high end, okay, like not, but you got to be in the ballpark. Yep. And then from there, it's a matter of like the, the um, you know, reducing fat. So I see a lot of people doing fat. So people have like um, peanut butter sandwiches. On, I'm not against the sandwich. I'm right. against the peanut butter. Right. Like that's not the best choice during the an event. Or they have these bars and the bars, you know, ha each bar has, you know, um, 18 grams of carbs and 13 grams of fat. Like that's not a good choice for in the workout and it might taste delicious. I understand that, <laughs> yeah. but it's not the right choice. So, um, and the third one would be, um, people using things that they're not accustomed to doing before, yep. which, um, you know, truth be told I did, I never used cliff blocks. Mm -hmm. I did that as a, um, but you know, there's, that's a really common one too. Um, I'd say the number one though is like people just like take it for granted and then they get to like, you know, four or five hours into a event or four or five hours into a multi-event day like CrossFit and they're mm -hmm. like kind of lethargic, bummed, and now they're going to make a bad decision. Now they're going to have, they're going to go to the food truck that's for the fans and get a burger, mm -hmm. you know, because they're like wrecked and nothing tastes good to them anymore. Yeah. Um, along those lines, maybe as a last question is, um, 
what do you do or what would you do if you were a coach or a teammate of somebody who, you know, in the middle of a one or multi-day event, sort of their nutrition, sort of what you were just alluding to, just sort of like falls apart, right? Whether they're not getting enough, so all of a sudden they're making bad decisions mm-hmm. or they're just not getting enough and you can't sort of talk them into eating uh, as, you know, according to the plan that you guys had going into it. Have you come up with with that sort of hurdle before? And if so, how do you work with a with an athlete who, um, for whatever reason, is sort of falling off um, in the middle of a competition nutritionally? Um, that's a really good question. It's a harder question to answer than you might think. Mm. Um, so if an athlete comes up to me and says like, um, like I can easily give a blanket statement. Yep. I can easily give like this is the way you do it, and yep. it's like these you follow the guidelines and the protocols, and if they fall off, this is this is how you slide into Plan B. It's just not the case. You know, everyone is so different and every case is so different. So if you have an athlete that's falling off of the protocol, I think the first most important thing to do is to listen to the athlete. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, why do you not want to eat? Like, if you're just like, you know, you have to get the carbs in, you have to get the hydration in, you've had too much. Like, it's like, what is the reason? Maybe it's... um, you know, it could be something as simple as palate fatigue. Mm. So palate fatigue is when you just eat the same thing over and over again and you lose the appetite. So this comes up in like Joey Chestnut, the world champion, like yeah, hot dog guy. Hot dog guy. Yeah. So um, I don't even actually, I'm, I'm, maybe it wasn't him, but it was one of those guys. And I, don't, yeah. I use his name because it's the only competitive <laughs> eater I know. But he's eating um, the, the competition is who can eat the most ice cream i think it was ice cream mm-hmm. so it was man versus food whatever that guy is, is that joey chestnut no i don't think so but I, it's that guy yep. man versus food and it's like he the competition is can you how much ice cream can you eat in a two-hour sitting or something like that yep. so he's pounding away in ice cream he's just going and going it's a machine all of a sudden he starts to turn green mm-hmm. it's like he starts to turn like you're like oh boy this is where it comes <laughs> he's gonna lose it oh my god he's so full he can't go on right he's so full he can't go on and he stops takes a break and orders a large thing of French fries. <laughs> it's like if you're so full, your your job is your competition is it, how much. Like, why would you take up more of your stomach with French fries? Because what's happened is the salty. I'm sorry, the um, the sweet and the decadence of the ice cream. He just got sick of it. Mm-hmm. It's palate fatigue. So he orders the salty, savory, crunchy, crunchy exactly yeah. warm of French fries. It shifts it. You go back to it, and it's like you can eat it again. Pal fatigue is a real thing. Yeah. It's like that's why people have like people people have, um, have lost weight on the on the potato diet. Like eat as much potatoes as you want, as much as you want, but nothing else. Guess what? You're gonna lose a lot of weight. <laughs> you you're not gonna eat potatoes. You get sick of them real fast. Yeah. So if an athlete's in competition, they're just having like whatever. They're having their sports drink and their supplements and you know rice cakes, and that's all that they're having. It's like, yeah, by day three, guess what's probably happening? Mm-hmm. They're just sick of eating that crap. you know. And I say crap because it's just over yeah. and over again. Yeah, it could yeah. be anything. So it might be this type of thing where you just need to switch it up. But it might be another thing like, no, there's like some major stress going on. And because of that, there's gastral issues. And if you have them eat, it's going to like explode out their rear end in the middle of an event. And that's like, it just, you can't just say like, this is the plan, this is what yeah. we're switching to. Yep. So if it's one of my athletes, one of my teammates, you have to try and figure out what's going on. Um, 
and and then work on that on a one-on-one basis. And I wish I could give a better, more clear answer, but there just isn't one. No, I, I think what's interesting sort of throughout this conversation, the thing that keeps popping in my head is, is that I'm surprised at how much um, improvis- improvisation there is sort of in the middle of all of this thing happening. You, you think that nutrition is like, well, that's the thing you don't have to worry about once you're in it because it's just like, just eat the food. And, yeah. and, and then it's the workout that's like, okay, let's make sure that that's optimized. But that's a great, it's interesting that- Super good observation. And yeah. it's, it's mostly, you know, a, a, maybe a big part of that is, um, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Like as much as we know about nutrition, I'm saying like 40, 60 grams of carbs and, you know, milligrams of salt and like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like we, it, we're all taking best guesses. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just like we're all trying to take the information that is available to us and trying to put together the best possible recipe that we think is going to lead us to success. Yep. But in five years, we're going to know a lot more. We know a lot more than we knew five years ago. And we knew way more than we knew 50 years ago in terms of this. Mm-hmm. We didn't know anything 50 years ago. You know, the, the Tour de France riders were stopping and literally they had to outlaw it. They had to ban it. They were stopping on the hill climbs and having beers at pubs. <laughs> that was their hydration. Jesus. And they had to ban it. They had to say, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> it's like, we just, you learn as you go, yeah. right? Yep. They thought that that was like, like it must work because it's killing the pain. It's like, well... <laughs> That's what. That's what, That's really funny. I never heard that. Yeah, it's like, well, it's not. It's dehydrating. You. <laughs> it's not the best thing. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Cool. Thanks, Thanks Scott. In the next episode of Chasing Excellence, uh, we get so consumed with the urgency and the immediacy of what's in front of you. You got to put out that fire. You got to do this thing because there's a deadline to that. And the thing that goes is let's sit down with a book for 35 minutes. Just search for Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. And thanks.